0: Hey, guys. I am excited to continue our conversation about women in business. This is an ongoing series where we focus on women who are building incredible businesses, brands, careers, nonprofits. And today, the career that we get to hear about is so inspiring, specifically for any of you who are in the marketing field or also anyone who's ever felt like they wanted to bring their whole self. To work, they wanted to figure out what it would look like to be totally them, even inside of a corporate environment. Today, I'm sitting down with Julia Estakolchik. She is the head of brand and marketing for the largest dating app in the U.S. for Latinos. It's part of the Match Group, the global leader in online dating. Before joining Match in 2017, she led multicultural marketing strategy for Match Affinity Apps. She was the managing director at Dieste, an Omnicom agency, leading a group of brand executives cross-functionally, Clients have included AT&T, the Hershey Company, Southwest Airlines, Nissan. My point is, Julia has an incredibly rich and valuable history inside of marketing. And I loved her. I loved her energy, I loved her aura and what she brought to this conversation. And I know that you're really gonna benefit from this conversation too. So please enjoy my chat with Julia. Hi.
1: Hey Rachel. My name is Kelsey and I have a question about leadership. Like you, I'm an Enneagram 3, so I'm a high achiever and I've always been a people pleaser, but I'm trying really hard to work on that. I own two restaurants and I absolutely love everyone on my team, but there are times when people are less than great to each other or attitudes need to be improved. And I have a really hard time in those moments coming down on people, even if I know it needs to be done. I'm afraid they'll think I'm mean and I want to be everyone's friend. I can never confront things head on. Then I feel like a weak leader who no one can respect. And I feel like this runs in my relationships out of work as well with friends, family, my boyfriend. I just find conflict absolutely terrifying and really, really hard. Can you speak to finding strength for difficult conversations and maybe boundaries in general? Thank you so much for what you do, and I really appreciate you.
0: Hey, Kelsey. First of all, thank you so much for calling into the podcast hotline with your question. I know that this is something that so many people deal with all the time. So I really appreciate that you asked because it gives us a chance to have this conversation. And I totally know. I mean, like, I feel like you are basically me from 15 years ago, and I know what it feels like to want to be everyone's friend, and I know what it feels like to sort of get that like acid in your stomach when you know that you have to have a hard conversation. I know what it feels like to keep avoiding that hard conversation. Oh my gosh, I know this all too well. So I guess the great place to start with this is as leaders, our job is to help people become the best version of themselves in the environment that we're all inside of. And there's this great quote that I heard years ago from Dave Ramsey. And he said, to be unclear is to be unkind. Because what happens is you don't tell people what your expectations are. You don't tell them when they miss the mark. And so they don't know that you're frustrated. They don't know that they're not doing a good job. It just leads to resentment. Like I'm going to guess you've had those times where an employee or a team member that you really loved slowly got worse and worse and worse to the point that you had to make a change. That happens because we're not telling people how to improve or how to be better. All of us in life have areas that we can't see in ourselves that we need to work on. And that's the value of having a leader, a partner, a group of friends who can hold you accountable. So what I'd love for you to shift in your mind is the idea that giving people feedback is mean. It's not mean, it's what it is to be a leader. So I think that that's the most important piece to align with. Because if you go into a conversation and your focus and your energy is on the fact that you're about to be mean, you're gonna create a whole crazy narrative for yourself that just isn't real. You need to take the drama out of feedback. One of the ways that you can do that is real time feedback. I think that there's this really weird thing that we have learned over the years, which is like, oh, I'll give people feedback at their quarterly reviews or their annual review, I'll wait, which is so messed up. It's like you're building up to this day where you can tell them all these things that they did wrong three months ago. This present moment is the most important thing in any of our lives. So what I try and do with my team is not in front of anybody else, but if there's something going on or if there's an issue, I want to address it immediately. I don't want that to fester. I also don't want it to be this big dramatic thing. I want to create a culture where everybody is used to getting feedback from each other, not just me giving them feedback, but them giving me feedback and them giving feedback to each other so we can all work to get better. Because chances are, if you're really freaked out by feedback, you're giving them that energy. So if you go in for a conversation with your team members, they're probably freaked out because it feels like a way bigger deal than it is. When in reality, it could be as simple as, hey, just real quick, I noticed that when you took that person's order, um, you seemed a little rushed and you seemed a little hectic, kind of made them a little anxious. It kind of made the customer get into a worse space. And we want to be people who really lift up the community and bring joy into our day. So I totally get it. Here's an example of a time where I really felt flustered and kind of took it out on a customer. So here are three things that I do to prepare myself and make sure that I'm never interacting with our customers if I'm not in the best space. So obviously, Kelsey, I'm making up a scenario there. But I think that if you can give people feedback in real time, use real life examples from you where you may be messed up or you made a mistake, and then some ideas on how to fix it, that's really helpful. Something else that you can do is ask questions. I think I get this from parenting, right? Like instead of telling my kids that they did something wrong or they made a mistake, I'll ask questions. Hey, that felt a little that felt a little off when you were interacting with your sister right now. That that really felt. Did that feel off to you? Okay. Well, what do you think? Why do you think that that we had that kind of interaction? Or why do you think that this came out that way? And it allows them to problem solve, which is so powerful for everybody to learn, but it also can give you insight into why they're making the kind of mistake they made. Maybe they're having a really bad day, or maybe something's going on at home, or maybe there's a piece of process that they don't understand. Actually, instead of you deciding Why they've done something wrong, it's really helpful if you can hear it from them. So, I just really wanna encourage you to see this as the way that you can take better care of the people on your team. I want you to see it as a good thing, as something a good leader does. I think back to when I was little and I played soccer, or um, when I tried out for the tennis team, or even when I did theater, my coaches were never my friends ever. Not one time was I a friend with my coach. And sometimes we all sort of a little bit didn't like the coach because they were so hard. But you know what? Those were always the best teams. When we respected the coach because we believed that they had our best interests at heart, when they never did anything to break that trust, and when they gave us great feedback and helped us to become better, we were an incredible team. So, I think this just looks like you finding your way and showing up in a way that feels good to you and a way that is your authentic self, right? You're bringing who you are and the kind of leader you'd like to have into the workplace. Just one last thought when it comes to your personal life and boundaries, I know it is so hard to figure out how to have personal boundaries when you're a people pleaser. But It is one of the greatest gifts that you can give yourself is to understand what you need, is to clearly communicate what you're feeling and what's going on, and to hold steady, to believe that the way that you feel has value and that you're willing to be in intimate relationships. Intimacy is a willingness to tell people what you're really feeling, even if they don't always want to hear that. And I don't think that you should have intimate relationships with your team at work, but I definitely think with your boyfriend or your family, there's value in you teaching yourself how to hold firmly to your boundaries. So I think the cool thing here, Kelsey, is that this is just another example for you to learn yourself, learn what you love, learn what you don't, learn how you want to show up, how you want to lead, not just others, but yourself. And I had a really cool conversation recently with a woman who I think does an incredible job of showing up every day in the workplace as herself. So beyond my answer for you, I want you to listen to this interview that I did and I hope it inspires you as much as it inspired me. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I'd love to start with um, just the story of how you got into the position that you're in now in your career, if you could walk us through that path. I'm I'm an immigrant from Argentina.
2: I was born and raised in Argentina. I actually studied advertising in Argentina before I came to the US. In Argentina, I am also coming from a family of immigrants. My grandparents were uh, Polish and uh, coming during the post-war. So I am first generation in Argentina, but I think that um, period and that mindset of survival and immigration and starting fresh and looking forward really affected how I view life and my own life adventure. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the day after I took my last test, um, uh, my boyfriend, my ex-boyfriend, my boyfriend at the time, and I decided to do a two-month in the U.S., Um, my hope was to learn English uh, I figure if I can learn some English, then I'm all set. I go back to Argentina. And um, I also, um, this is a funny, weird story. Um, had watched uh, growing up uh, Working Girl, that movie. <laughs> with- yeah, totally. And I uh, was dreaming of being that person in an office with a window and a suit and and a suitcase. And and I was like, oh, that looks so amazing. She's a professional and an aspire of that kind of empowering, I I think, message that she sent. And and that was a little bit of like, oh, you know, I I, I, I can see myself doing that. And then uh, we came for two months. And then I realized after two months that that was not enough time to learn English. And um, so we extended and extended. And 27 years later, we are having this conversation. And wow. so life happened to me. Um, I never felt like maybe there's a lot of immigrant stories where they felt they left something behind. Of course, I miss uh, my home country, but I because I came as an adventurer, Um, and never felt I had the obligation to come here for me. It was like, oh, let's see what what else is out there, how how many more interesting people I can meet. The people I met um, is really what inspired me to stay here, their stories, what they taught me along the way, people who were very different than me, that in my home country I would have probably never talked to them, but because of who I was when I arrived here, I was forced in a way to interact with other types of people. And it was just very inspiring. And, and I think, um, yeah, years later, uh, I, I, of course, when I came here, I worked in anything that was available. Uh, I didn't know anyone. I didn't speak the language. Um, and then eventually someone, a woman uh, who never met me, but we had spoken over the phone a few times, uh, recommended me for a job in advertising. And uh, and that was really it. And then once I was able to reinsert myself in my domain, what I wanted to do, and I discovered um working for the US Hispanic community here could be like. Um, I just fell in love and and there's been so many opportunities and so many wonderful experiences I've got to do because of that. Um, So that's really a little bit of my journey. I came in many years ago and literally like was doing hostess and and waitressing and uh, serving fast food uh, at malls uh, when I came. (laughs) And then
0: will you talk to us about what your role is today?
2: Yes. Um, Right now I work for Match Group. Uh, Match is the largest conglomerate of dating apps and sites, dating products all over the world. And they obviously own many of the dating brands that we all know and love. They own Tinder and Hinge and obviously Match.com and Black People Meets, BLK, Our Time. And so part of what we do is we have a group that's called Match Affinity that develops specific products for specific communities that have a desire to date and meet people within their own affinity group. And I was lucky enough to join Matt in that group, working for many brands that uh, cater to different communities, whether that's religion or race or age uh, or, or, or ethnicity. And uh, within that group, we launched uh, our Latino dating app. Uh, similar to if you want to use like Tinder, but probably more serious intent. Um, and I was there for the launch. And right now I'm head of brand and marketing for that dating app that's called Chispa. It is the largest dating app for Latinos in the US. We have over 5 million downloads uh, to date just in the US. And uh, it's been a wonderful uh, experience to, uh, to get to see these people adopting a new category, learning a new category for them, and seeing how welcoming they have been, uh, that there is a product meant to help them find meaningful relationships. And so uh, what we do is try to find meaningful ways to connect with Latino singles in the US uh, and and meet others uh, that share their background and their values and their experiences growing up.
0: That's so cool. And it sounds to me like a, it's almost like you're this bridge between two cultures or you're sort of um, like it, it, taking what is in your culture and taking what is in different Latin cultures and creating this space for inside of a larger piece. Because I think for so long, I know all over the world, but definitely here in this country, it was sort of like, okay, it's all in one big, bucket. And maybe they didn't think in terms of there are people with really specific values or people who, you know, have an ideal that they want something and they want a space that's just for them. So what has it been like to create a community that is for, in some ways, you know, how you grew up in Argentina and also would be different if you grew up in Mexico or if your, your family's Cuban or, you know, how,
2: how was that? So, um, yes, Latinos are a very diverse community. Latinos in the U.S. are people who are are U.S. born. Uh, The majority of Latinos 18 to 34 are actually U.S. born. Uh, And then there are people who come from other countries. There are people who uh, speak predominantly English or English first. And there's also people who speak Spanish first, and there's also Spanglish and people who are comfortable with both. And and then the other thing that happened, like you said, if you have roots in Argentina or in Mexico, you're very different than if you have roots in El Salvador. And we're trying to make this community that is representative and celebrates Uh, what brings us together while we also acknowledge all these differences and the different languages. And I think working for a niche market is always challenging uh, and, and has uh, discoveries that you make all the time and learnings. Um, for Working for the Latino community in the U.S. is really a trip. Uh, you never stop learning about how we interact with each other. I think it's important that we acknowledge that they are very different people and part of our identity is where we come from, where we grew up, where our parents are from, And there's also a lot of things that bring us together as a community, um, a lot of aspects of the culture that create unity. And I think as a marketer, you want to focus on celebrating those similarities, uh, acknowledging them. I think the way we relate to others, our social life is one way that you can look at Latinos as a whole, Um, you know, the fact that we have big families, our relationship with families, how we celebrate the holidays, how important it is family approval in a relationship. So there are a lot of similarities that have to do with Finding someone or meeting someone, and that could be a romantic relationship, but it also happens on friendships, and and colleagues, professional people, or meeting the people that you meet in the professional space. Um, so, I have worked with brands before that are mainstream brands and try to cater to Latinos. Uh, in this case, I worked for a brand that was specifically designed. Uh, for the Latino community, and it's a a wonderful challenge. Uh, There's a lot of things uh, that you have to take into account, especially in today's world where everybody is exposed to everything. Uh, But that also gives us the opportunity to segment what we do and talk to the different subgroups in a relevant, meaningful way. And so I think we abandon the idea that one size fits all for uh, marketing, and we actually try to talk to the different subgroups in, in in ways that they feel they're being or we're talking to them and not at them. And so, um, it's just wonderful. It's really a celebration of culture. It's being in tune with what the community is going through. Uh, you know, just at the, in the larger scale, in the overall U.S., how they're being treated, the issues that matter to them. So being very mindful of that, being very in tune with that, also understanding that you know they are going to be twenty percent of the U.S. population, so whatever we do with this community ends up impacting and influencing uh, the the whole U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. in the end. So uh, so it's just a, a great great opportunity as a as a professional and as a person. Uh, to be to be working for this this brand and, and 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 a dating product, I think.
0: I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing, and I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids. Which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. traveltexas.com slash get your own. And what are some things that you learned in the course of your career that have helped you navigate holding space for both? Because there is this beautiful opportunity you have to work with all of the different cultures inside of Latin culture, which is like you said, so diverse. But also I have to imagine that in the course of your career, you have encountered people who didn't get your culture or who didn't understand the value here or who didn't understand 20% of the U.S. population. And what was that like to sort of, were there times in your career where you were like, oh, idiots, like they don't get this so that you can get to this place where you get to speak directly to this consumer and create products just for them? That's, uh,
2: you nailed it, uh, that's a, a real challenge that uh, all myself and my colleagues had uh, throughout our careers. I think within the people that do not know, uh, you also have those that want to learn and those that are more hesitant or scared because it's the unknown and oh my God, I have to learn how they do it. So you have different ranges of, uh, you know, uninformed uh, people. So yes, I've, I've I've encountered people who do not know and have been very eager to learn and very curious and very curious about other cultures and how other cultures uh, interact with brands or products or categories. And then obviously you have the other ones where it's harder. I think as a, a multicultural marketer, the big responsibility has been in helping educate Um, Everyone around us, and it's not just at the professional level, but also at the personal level, there's people that you encounter that are genuinely interested Mm -hmm. in understanding where you come from and your set of values, and people who are less interested. And Latinos in the U.S. are this 200%. They are 100% American and can navigate American culture perfectly well. And they are the other 100% that is the one that you know, list tradition and culture the way their parents and grandparents do, either in the US or their home country. And so they go back and forth all the time. And so uh, it's it's um I think it's been challenging to educate some people. It's also been what a great privilege that you have to be able to teach others about your culture. Uh, and so you you do the best in each uh, situation again. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful journey when you are talking to somebody who's welcoming the opportunity to learn more, who's engaged. Um, I think in particular, and much. This is what I experience, and that's why we've been able to do so much with these brands, uh, because there's been genuinely interest in understanding this community and doing what's best for the community. Um, so yes, it's. Uh, I am sure that we all feel foreigners in certain groups at certain times, even if we are not. It's like if you started doing yoga, practicing yoga and you go to a yoga studio and everybody's already part of the community yes. and you are the foreigner uh, trying to learn the set of codes and the language. And I think that at certain moments in life, that is an experience that we all go through.
0: Absolutely. If someone's listening to this and they're, navigating a career where they want to bring more of their culture into their workplace or into, you know, having a seat at the table and influencing some of the decisions that they've been made. Do you have any advice for how you navigated being able to do that? Because now you've got this amazing career where you get to celebrate your culture and others like every single day, but I'm going to guess that it hasn't always been the case. So were there like, it's, you've gotten to this place in your career where your ability to be a multicultural marketer is like, that's your secret sauce, right? Mm -hmm, That's your like mm -hmm, special mm -hmm. gift. But how, if someone's like, man, I want that to be part of my journey and I want that to be part of what I'm offering my workplace or my resume. How, how do you even begin to do that? And I think for some people recognition
2: and external validation comes sooner than for others. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, a lot is your personal journey. Um, I think one big thing for me has been embracing my identity. I struggled for a long time trying to belong and be someone who I was not. That's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's also a ceiling to how much you can try to be someone who you know, it's not you. And and I think where I've done the best in my career, not just in this role, but in other roles in my career, is when I truly embrace and own this identity that I have that has an accent, that doesn't understand certain things that have to do with not growing up in the U.S. Um, You're going to find people who love you and people who don't, uh, regardless. And, and it, it, you have to just accept not everyone is going to like you. Yeah. Uh, but, but those who like you are actually going to become fans. And, and that is very refreshing and that is very eye-opening. Like, oh, I don't have to change. There is a group of people actually that may like me with my accent yeah. and my, you know, uh, very non-protocol, uh, very transparent way of speaking my mind uh, and my errors when I speak. Uh, and and again, I think this is a good life experience just in general, accepting that, yes, some people will reject you, uh, but some people will love you. And so not forgetting that when you are going through those moments where it's harder than others is really embracing who you are and really believing that there are people who are going to be a better fit for you, whether that's in friendship uh, whether that's as colleagues, your boss, uh, people who report to you, friends, um, romantic relationships, even casual relationships. Uh, and so I think the best advice is really believing that, um, you know, it's easier if you embrace your identity, uh, that you can go so much farther when you actually embrace your identity than when you don't. Absolutely. Uh, that, and, and that there are a lot of things that your identity can impact and impact others people's lives and you don't even realize because you're thinking you're trying to please others and and so I think what I've done the best is where I really said okay this is who I am and then discovered that some people actually really liked it and it was like oh okay great I don't have to please everybody it's not gonna happen I think uh once you reach a certain age you realize not everyone's gonna like you and that's totally fine as long as you like yourself and that people that you respect and like and love uh, do like you
0: yeah Uh, and
2: and so yeah so I think that the biggest one is um, really loving yourself is it made a difference when I always had This doubt, I think we all have it. I think this imposter syndrome is a thing. Moments of insecurity, as strong and confident as you may appear to the outside world. I think we all have the moments in which we second guess ourselves and we're like, oh my God, they're going to realize I know nothing. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, somebody says, wow, that is awesome work. And I'm impressed. And you're like, oh, wow, they're seeing something I had not yeah. And so uh, we are our biggest enemies. We are our biggest barrier. Uh, and, and we should start with that, I think.
0: To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market. Market.com slash rach. ThriveMarket.com slash This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. if you can understand that you are your biggest barrier then you're also the solution to that like if you uh-huh. know that about yourself then you also now have a pathway to make change and yes. uh, you know as you're talking about this too i'm thinking about those members of our community who are entrepreneurs and mm-hmm. maybe maybe this is the first time or maybe they've heard it before but maybe this is the first time they're even thinking oh my gosh i never think of I'm, you know, we don't see life as it is. We see life as we are, and maybe this is the first time some of the entrepreneurs are realizing, oh my gosh, I'm only marketing to people like me. I'm not thinking Uh of the whole community around me. So, if if from a marketing perspective, do you have any advice for how you start to be more inclusive in your marketing efforts? I mean, simple things. I think about stuff like making sure that your models or the different pictures that you're taking represent every single person in your culture every size every age every every background so that people feel like they're represented in what you're doing but what are some of the things that we can do as business owners to be more inclusive in our marketing efforts i think it starts before marketing it
2: starts with product and having products that are relevant not every product is relevant to everybody and that is fine yeah and that is fine and and you might have a product that is fantastic for a certain age or a certain group or or you know um a certain uh belief or you know faith driven people and and that is fine and so I think it's the first is looking at your product. And, 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 you know, there's a couple of ways to develop product. One is looking at a community and identifying a need and make it very customer centric. The other one is you develop your product because you as a user felt there was a lack of this type of products or solutions. So you decided as an entrepreneur to take that in your own hands and say, okay, I haven't found something like this. I want to make it. So you know you're marketing to people like you. Um, I think it's important to look at your product and see who else could relate to that product to really expand your target. You first need to make sure you have an offering that is relevant to another group, another community, another mindset. Now, if we're talking about maybe working months uh, in particular, and you develop a product, um, maybe some practical way to meal prep uh, for the week Uh, for your kids. Now, there are also many different groups and mindsets of working moms, right? And so then you can start sub-segmenting. And and sub-segmenting is, okay, what would be the best message for a working mom with toddlers? What would be the best? And then what would be the best channel to distribute this message, right? Who are the right uh, people I can collaborate with, the right brands I can work with to talk to this one subgroup in a in a relevant way, in a, in a way that offers a solution to their problem. I think we have to be, as marketers, very, very customer-centric uh, instead of trying to push. It's, it's so much easier as a, as a business person to sell to people who want a product. Uh, they already have that behavior than trying to change a behavior. Um, If you do not like fish, it's very unlikely that I will convince you to eat fish. If you are a fish lover, uh, it's much easier that I'll convince you to try my frozen salmon. If you don't like fish and you're not, a, it's going to be much more expensive as a business person so as a marketer to convince yes. you to like fish. So, again, you have to start with lower hanging food. Who is the group that can benefit with your product, that will welcome your product? Um, and then from there, identifying things that can define your brand persona. What is this persona? What does it look like that is one of them, one of your users? And so obviously there's a lot of different marketing uh, tips, but definitely thinking about who your audience is and the different subgroups, uh, you know, working moms who are into fitness, working moms who are into practical solutions, do it yourself, uh, Kondo, whatever it is. But I think uh, you have an opportunity now with how segmented is social media in particular uh, and how many different touch points you can have you have an opportunity to tailor and personalize the message a little bit more Um, and same with product you know you've had many cases like hagen Das as an ice cream brand uh, doing their dulce de leche flavor to appeal to latinos because that's a typical latino flavor you have barbie uh, doing all sorts of diversity products uh, or products that di- uh, reflect diversity. So, I think there are many different ways. Uh, as long as it's been done really mindfully, you don't have to go after each segment. At the same time, you can prioritize based on where your biggest business opportunity is. For your particular product, and for what your values are as a brand, yeah, uh, you ha- people want to buy brands that share their same values. Yeah, uh, it's you know, it's it's more powerful than than products uh, nowadays.
0: I I'm curious too in in thinking about the job that you have it, that it must involve a pretty significant amount of leadership and whether that looks like managing one person or leading a team over the course of your career what are some of your philosophies when it comes to being a leader being a leader as a woman being a leader as an Argentinian woman being a leader as like are there things that you feel like are really unique to you that you've developed over time I don't know if they're
2: unique <laughs> to me um I think uh, in general, I am very transparent uh, and very, very direct. I am very solutions oriented, so I want to move things along. But I think the one that I have learned over time that I don't think I've had, uh, you know, in my earlier years is this really, really big appreciation for collaboration. Uh, Collaboration is such an amazing tool for any anyone doing anything really uh, personally and professionally, um, it gets so much better when you're building on each other's ideas, when you're learning from each other's experiences. So uh, when you work as a collaborator, uh, I think you become this natural leader when you're when you're allowing people the room to build. Uh, everyone wants to be a part of it. Everybody feels they're personally invested. Um, so, for me, um, it's really been like, okay, look at all these resources and power and, and intelligence that we have around us. Uh, what if we could actually have an idea that comes from all these different points of views and, uh, and experiences? It's just so much better. And in the last few years, for me, that's really been the biggest tool that I've been able to use is how do we collaborate. I um, also practice improv comedy, and that is all about yes and. uh, You practice improv? Yes, I, I take improv comedy classes. That. I've taken them for many years. It's a very it fosters it collaboration. It fosters creativity. Yes,
0: I yes, completely yes. agree. It is my favorite character. I grew up doing theater. So I'm really familiar okay, with the concept. Same. Yes, but it is my yes. favorite thing in other humans. It's what uh-huh. I look for in a partner. It is what I look for in teammates. Uh-huh. Is the person who says yes and they're adding uh-huh. to the idea they're not shutting it down so I
2: love yes that. so so uh, that's been so wonderful I uh, you know when you're younger you seem to be a little more arrogant about what is true and what is right and what is the only way to go when you're at least I was that person and then sometimes you just like sit back and observe and hear people talking and build on the ideas and bring ideas together and bring people together, different skill sets and different backgrounds. And, and it's just this wonderful thing happens just like in improv comedy where there's all of a kind a narrative that makes sense. And it's nothing compared to what you can do alone. Yeah. Uh, nothing. And so I think my, my biggest thing is I I don't know, uh, you know, when people say you're a leader, I think that's, you know, it's not a title, it's whether people want to work with you and want to build things with you, and that has to do with you are respectful of what they bring, you're respectful of their time, uh, you're letting them take ownership and feel we are all in this together, and you are really interested in learning, even if it means failing, uh, the biggest focus is in learning and having and being humble enough to say I'm going into this with the intention to learn versus with the intention to win because not every time you win and so um so yes I think um collaborations my uh the one thing I love the most uh about uh, pretty much anything that I do uh whether that's traveling improv um Anything really? It's just so much better when you share things with somebody and when you co-create. Uh, I'm not that smart, you know. I'm not that creative, <laughs> but between all of us, yeah, we are. Yeah. And so I, I think that's my biggest like look for opportunities to collaborate. Don't think you're alone. Talk to people. You're gonna learn something from everybody that you talk to. Everybody can actually teach you even a little thing. They're like, oh, okay. I can apply this here. So don't be be open about other people teaching you things, other people who are different than you, that might not have the same career path that you do or your background. You know, if you get to a certain age and you haven't learned along the way, it's like, what a waste, right? You've had all these opportunities to learn. And so it's up to us how much we are willing to absorb and and listen and bring with us on on the way forward so i love
0: that yeah. So cool, Julia. My <laughs> no, I love it, and I know it's going to be so inspiring to the women who are listening, who are building careers, who are building businesses, who are just trying to figure out how to navigate the world around them. So I'm so grateful for the time awesome. to hang out with you today. Oh, thank you, thank and, you for inviting yeah, me. and was to get so, to know so you. Um, if people want to learn more about you, is there a website? Are Are you on social
2: media? Is there any way they can go I to think uh, my LinkedIn? My LinkedIn is probably I I post uh some stuff about the work we do the partnerships cool. we've done um things that we do for the community that could be interesting for some entrepreneurs um you know the partnerships I think again that the partnerships that um we do is what I enjoy the most meeting this other and I've done a lot with female founders small business owners because I really really believe in you know it's so wonderful when somebody says I'm going to use my culture to build a business, and I am not afraid, or I am afraid, but I'm going to dare to do it, and I'm all for that. I, I love partnerships with uh, with people like that. So I I have done many. We continue to look for more. It's just when you get the the most creative, most fun. Uh, most people-centric ideas, and so yeah. So they can go to my LinkedIn. Uh, they can connect with me there. Okay. I'm happy to uh, talk to other people too. Yeah, yeah. I think we should help each other. We should be connectors. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And what? Uh, what? What's your LinkedIn profile? So it would be at Julia Stakulchik. uh I can spell it as J-U-L-I-A, and then my last name is E as in Edward, S as in Sam, T as in Tom, A, C as in Charles, O, L as in Louis, C as in Charles, H as in Harry, I, C as in Charles. I'm you've done
0: that many times.
2: <laughs> yes. I was hoping I would marry a Smith so my problems would be solved, but I didn't. I marry a guy with a last name that is as long and hard as mine.
0: That's
2: so I had to. Yes, I've been doing this all my life. Uh, I hear people falling asleep on the other uh, side of the phone. Like, are you done? Are you done? So yes, my life. Oh
0: my gosh, Julia, thank you so much for the time. I hope you have a good awesome week, and I really appreciate your grace in thank sharing all this with so us. The Rachel Hollis podcast is hosted and executive produced by me, Rachel Hollis. The show is produced by Sterling Coates and edited by Andrew Weller.
1: Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom.